Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. God, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would encourage, that you would inspire, that you would challenge, that you would convict. God, I pray that that would be the deepest cry of our heart, that there is none but Jesus. And Father God, I pray that today we would know that freedom that you bring. Lord God, I pray that today the the stones in our garden that have been there for a long time that you've been asking us to flip over, that we would go to that place and we would flip them over. I pray that we wouldn't allow anything to stand in the way of us taking the next step that you have for us. God, I pray that our faith would grow, that our faith would increase, that our confidence in you grows, our faith can only increase. And we thank you for that. We thank you that you don't ask us to be confident in ourselves, but you call us to have a confidence in you. And I thank you for the freedom that that brings. So God, we just ask, would you just speak to hearts today? Thank you for convicting us that we would be shaped more into your likeness. Thank you that you take us for how we are, but you love us too much to leave us where we are. Thank you that you care about us enough to put us through a refining process. Father God, I pray that today we wouldn't miss what you're saying to us. Amen. Before you take your seats, please give a huge round of applause to the band. How are we all today? Going all right? Pastor Peter sends his regards. He has a super exciting church service to be in today, which is seeing his granddaughter Phoebe dedicated. So he does, he sends his regards and... I'm just imagining he will be beaming right now. It's like you see him from the stage and how he beams when he, when he talks about Phoebe. It's like imagine him there and so good. So he does, he sends his regards and he's so thankful for the missions auction, how all that went and a big thank you to everybody that turned up and donations and contributions to the events team and everybody that made that happen. A massive thank you. It's such a good night. Uh, we had youth last night, speaking of good nights, and that was another incredible night. Like, it was, ah, so good. The youth that were there were like, yeah, it was so good. Uh, I had a dream last night that I got a text message from Bev Beckwith this afternoon saying, I love what you brought on Sunday, but you preached your youth message. So I'm just checking my notes here to make sure that it's Sunday. It's like, I woke up like, I've preached the wrong message. So anyway, apologies, Bev, if, if you've got the wrong PowerPoint. So, but I want to jump into the theme straight up today, which is uncomplicated. 
And perhaps you're thinking, uncomplicated, you should see my life. Or a theme like uncomplicated, what planet are you from? But God wants to bring a simplicity to our situation. That he actually wants to bring an assurance in our chaos. And he doesn't want us to be paralysed by complexity, but he wants to see us mobilised by faith. And so today, as I speak into uncomplicated, my heart is that God would reach into your world and the complications that you're battling, he would change something in you that gives you the confidence to press through the complications and find the simplicity of the faith that God has for you. I know a couple of people that often speak in riddles. And you'll be talking to them, and even times I'll be like, so what exactly do you mean by that? And they'll answer in another riddle. It's like, that's helpful, isn't it? And I'll leave these conversations going, so what actually were they saying, or what were they implying? And I wonder for the disciples that when they would hear Jesus talk in parables and then they had the chance to debrief a little bit, but for the crowd when they'd hear these parables, I wonder what the conversation was when they'd leave. I imagine they'd come to all sorts of fancy conclusions and grand theories and they could have groups where they chat about it over and over and over. It's like, I wonder what conclusion they came to because we have the benefit where Jesus spells it out for us, we can see what it means. Because once you have the meaning to something, you're like, oh, that's fairly straightforward and that makes sense. And just like finding the answer to a riddle can be satisfying, I think finding an answer to a problem is equally satisfying. And the bigger the problem, the more satisfying it is when you reach a solution. Has anybody ever had a major problem that once you've found that solution, there's just been that relief come over you? A fair few nights. I love it. I love that feeling where you've battled through something and you finally have a solution. You're like, ah, oh, this feels good. And uh, sometimes we can jump to all sorts of conclusions and complicate things more than they need to be. And I'm not saying life is uncomplicated. Please don't hear that today. But what I'm saying is that God doesn't want us to be caught on the, in the complication that it stops us moving in our faith journey. In a, it stops us following into all the spaces and places that he has for us. When, when the space race was happening, when America was sort of versing Russia to get to space, and they, the Americans, they wanted to come up with a biro that wrote in space. So a normal biro won't write in where there's no gravity because it relies on the gravity for the ink to drop down. So the Americans, they invested a lot of time and money into coming up with a biro that would write in space. Pretty big deal. They eventually scrapped that program because it was taking too much time, costing too much money, and uh, uh, the solution... They went back to a pencil. <laughs> Gee, that's a <laughs> pretty clever, isn't it? That's a, it's a simple solution to what was probably not the perceived problem. 
But there was a company that did make a space pen, so it's got special ink and it's got a pressurised ink cartridge. They're pretty awesome. They're about 24 grand. Love one. <laughs> but they have this space pen pressurised cartridge and they'll write underwater, greasy conditions. So that's actually solved a lot of problems. So that was a company that was not part of the space program, but they made them for another reason. They've ended up going to space, which is pretty awesome. But they're right underwater, damp conditions. Um, if you're in a condition where a pencil is a fire risk, then that mitigates that. Um, some electronics, they... <laughs> Some, uh, some electronics, they can't have graphite powder around, so solves that problem. You know, all these big questions of life that are just solved. So if you've got an issue today, 24 grand, space pen, solve all your worries. <laughs> no, this isn't an advertising thing, but sometimes advertisements can trick us into thinking something is more complicated than it actually is. And they, they grab onto us with these big claims and big theories and you go to Agfest and you listen to these people that are selling these whiz-bang new butte inventions and looks like, oh, they're good, aren't they? And you, you're like, and you walk away feeling like, if I don't buy this for this one-time bargain price, then I'm not going to be able to solve the problems that didn't exist before I went to that stand. <laughs> but we can get so caught up on it. And there's actually a name for where we look for complex um, solutions to somewhat sim simple problems. And it's called the complex bias or complexity bias. And it's where they have tested uh, many theories on people where they give two solutions to a problem. A complicated solution and a simple one. And most times people will gravitate towards the complex theory thinking that's a better solution to the problem. And sometimes we can get caught up in thinking that the complicated solution is a better solution than actually the simple one. In Matthew 13, 31, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And this can seem a little bit obscure, but at least Jesus gives us a little bit of a clue here in that he's saying the kingdom of heaven is like. And it's certainly not the most obscure parable, but people could go away from hearing Jesus talk about this and come to all sorts of conclusions. And I don't know too much about mustard trees, but from what I'm told, they can grow to about three metres tall. And when they're allowed to grow that big, they become this safe place for birds, which the parable itself says. And I wonder, the people that walked away from Jesus, that he told that parable, how much did they read into what he was sharing? Because what he was sharing is that the kingdom of God had had small beginnings, like a mustard seed. And some people that have studied history around this time, they say that it was a pretty common expression when something was very small or insignificant, you'd say, oh, it's as small as a mustard seed. So it's a bit of a, uh, maybe a, a slang term, you, if you're thinking of a slang term in your head for when something's really small, whatever that is that you use, then that's a bit like they would use here. So saying, oh, it's just as small as a mustard seed, not much is going to become of that. 
And Jesus is talking about the kingdom of, of heaven on earth. And at that point, it was Jesus and his disciples. And as more and more followers, they gained more traction. But it had this really small start. But Jesus is speaking into the future of what the kingdom would be and what it would become. And so now we look at the the kingdom of of God that reigns on earth and the church and all the impact that Jesus through the disciples who became apostles, who became missionaries and went out to the ends of the earth, the impact that that had started from something so incredibly small. And so this is what Jesus is telling, that the kingdom of heaven started small, but it's had this incredible impact. Scarily, you can jump on the internet and find three-part sermons for this parable. Uh, Some of the theories are pretty wild. And unfortunately, the simplicity of it gets lost in people trying to come up with complex theories to potentially say what Jesus was never saying in the first place. In 2 Peter 3 and 8. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Now, if we take this verse, we could come up with the most complex theories around it. If a day equals a thousand, a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day, and a thousand days is a thousand... And how many Akubras does it take to wrangle a wild Brumby? And we could go around and we could try and come up with all these fancy theories around it. So what's he actually, what's being said here? How does this make any sense? But then we go to 2 Peter 3 and 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so what starts us this incredibly complex theory in 2 Peter 3 and 8 is actually God's timing is perfect. And it is. God's timing is perfect. We need to take heart from that and encouragement from that. I think one of the reasons that we get caught on complications and we focus on the complications and complexities, complexities is because our trust hasn't met the situation And the trust that God wants to call us into is trust in him, which means no situation can outmatch the trust and faith we have in God. And so as we have more and more faith in God, it means we'll get less and less caught up on complications and complexities. When I go to a city, I don't sit down before ordering a taxi and, you know, a city like Bernie... No, when I go to a city where I need to know, I need to go to another place and I can't get there myself, I'll call up the taxi or actually it's an app now, isn't it? I'll use it showing my age. I'll use an app to get a taxi. And before the taxi arrives, I don't go through and determine the exact streets I'm going to take and I'll look at the time of the day and the school zones and the roadworks. I don't bother with that unless I don't trust the driver. And if we don't trust the driver, we will get caught up on all sorts of complications. But when we trust, it actually allows us not to get caught and stuck. It allows us not to be paralysed by fear and complexity, but it allows us to be mobilised by faith. 
in Matthew, Matthew, it's just like speaking of Bernie. Sorry to the Bernie people. It's, uh, I'm just getting one back because I'm from Smithton. So I just feel like I've got a lot of ground to cover here. And I'm like, I've got hours and hours and hours of all this hurt that's built so deep. And, like, and so like and Andrew Van Ruin, I'm like, I see him and I shudder. I'm like, I'm like, I'm taking off my flanny because what's he going to say about that? <laughs> But Matthew 13, and this is talking about the disciples. Um, I'm so thankful that Jesus gives us some insight into why he used parables. Because I look at them and I'm like, why didn't he speak plainly? Why didn't he just let everybody know exactly what he was thinking? But he tells us exactly why in Matthew 13 and 10. His disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? He replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. That's why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen. And what I love here is, there is this promise of when we, when we listen, and listen implies action. So when we listen and apply what we've heard, God gives us even more understanding. He gives us enough understanding to navigate the challenge of today, and he gives us enough understanding to walk through the complication of tomorrow. It's the understanding that he gives us and that increases as we listen and apply that which he has already given us. In Matthew 13, carrying on into 14 to 15, this fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes, their eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. And we can look at this passage and really complicate it. And we can look at it and go, gee, that is harsh. But when we reframe it, and there's a key phrase in there about hardness of heart. But when our heart is soft and when we're found in Jesus, this is what the reframe of this passage looks like. You should be able to see it on the screen there. When you hear what I say, you will understand. When you see what I do, you will comprehend. For the hearts of these people are softened and turned to me, and their ears can hear. And they have opened their eyes so their eyes can see and their ears can hear and their hearts can understand. They can turn to me and let me heal them. And so this goes from going, gee, that's harsh, to what an amazing promise that we have right here. That when our hearts are soft and we are open to God, 
This is what he does in our lives, in our worlds. And through this understanding, there's an ability that we have to navigate the complicated, the difficult. And just to be walking into every place that he has for us. And today, I I am so often personally challenged about, am I walking into every opportunity that God has for me? So often, it's like, I just feel like, there's surra- I'm surrounded by opportunity just to walk into more and more of what God has every day. And even this week, there was an opportunity that arose for um, a couple of us from this church actually to, to go and walk into a situation with a local sports club that's endured great tragedy. And it is, it's complicated, it's complex, it's hard, it's heartbreaking. But yet... Faith in God gives a simplicity that just says, well, I'll jump in the car and go around when they want us to go around there. There's a simplicity that says, I I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but I trust God enough that as I take one step after the next, that he continually meets me there. And not only does he meet me there, he's already paved the way and prepared the way. And so I want that to be encouragement to each person here. Those areas where God is calling you to follow more, those stones in your garden that are a little bit, that they've been there a long time, that God's calling you to upturn because there's some opportunity that they're stopping you walking into. He wants to give you the courage to see those removed and it comes through a faith in what he wants to do. In Luke 9.57, and we, I, I want to look at more of this, what it looks like to follow Jesus. And I don't just want to look at what it looks like, but I actually want us to be encouraged as a church family to follow Jesus all the more. And perhaps for you today, you're not even in a place where you are following Jesus. And my prayer is that today there would be something where God busts into your world and there's an understanding of, I just need Jesus in my life. And I'm going to get to that a little bit later, but for now, we're going to pick up in Luke 9, 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, and this is a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So, wow, that's pretty direct, isn't it? Straight into it. Here's somebody that is keen to follow Jesus, that he's probably seen the exciting things that are happening. And Jesus comes back with this remark. And the issue is that this person, they've got more priority in the things that they have, or maybe it's their home or their asset, than following Jesus. And so what God designed as a blessing and a place of safety, being given a a home and a a place that's this person's. So it turned from a blessing to actually an obstacle to following Jesus. And I've mentioned earlier that sometimes the things that God's blessed us with can become our obstacle and our stopping point to following Jesus into everything that he has for us. And Jesus speaks so bluntly into this he just he reads the person's heart and mind and gives this response verse 59 he says to another man follow me 
But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Fair request. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, we don't know exactly the context, but it is highly likely that this man, that his dad, it wasn't about three days to wait for a funeral and then go and follow Jesus. It was a, most likely his dad hadn't passed away yet and it was a, I'm waiting for a convenient time. I think sometimes we can just be waiting for a convenient time to follow Jesus more. And if we wait for a convenient time, chances are we'll never get to that next step because the message is uncomplicated, but we live in complicated times, living in complicated situations, and if we wait for the convenient, we'll most likely never move on from that place. And so Jesus is saying that it's, we can't wait until it's convenient to follow him, but it's actually putting him first, whatever that looks like. Verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Has anybody ever had to say goodbye to a family member? As in your leaving location? Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? I've got one hand. There's one person that's moved out of home. It's, it can be tough. It can be tough to say goodbye to a family member when you're off. And so it seems harsh that Jesus is saying, no, don't, don't go and say goodbye to the family, but just follow me. That seems really harsh. But actually, what Jesus is saying, he's not saying, don't have a farewell party. He's saying, don't be talked into not walking in the things I have for you because you get talked out of it by your family. And Jesus knows the person, knows their thoughts. He's saying, no, it's not about not having a farewell party. It's about not being talked out of the call to follow Jesus. And if there's anybody in here that your parents are not Christian, you know this all too well, that to follow the call of Jesus actually means not being talked out of it by your family. When Candace and I relocated about six years ago, uh, these verses, we could have, uh, we'd say we were in Smithton. <laughs> Ah, uh, I feel like I need less therapy work now with that cheer, so thank you. But we were in Smithton, our, both our families are from Smithton. We've got generations and generations and generations from Smithton. And so we were like, the ministry opportunity that came our way, it was like to follow God in that, we've got to leave this area. And we could have easily looked at our families and gone, pretty easy to be talked out of leaving. And if we hadn't thought it was, you know, if we had have put all our weight on our families and as in we had have followed our families before Jesus, we never would have stepped in the ministry opportunity that we have and live in now. 
It just wouldn't have happened. And so this is what Jesus is saying. saying, It's not about not having a farewell party or saying goodbye, just cutting and running. It's actually about don't be talked out of the call of God for you by your friends and family. I think this is so relevant for all of us. It's so easy to be talked out of the call of God on our life by those closest to us if they aren't seeking God first with everything that they had. We thought it was a little bit tricky leaving Smithton at that time. Uh, and then we uh, had, were expecting a grandchild who's the first grandchild on both sides of the family. So, so if we weren't, you know, if there was any part of us that was going to be talked into staying before that point, once we became uh, pregnant with Royce, man, it would have been so easy to go, it's too complicated to leave. It's too complicated to move. All our support networks are here, our family's here. But Jesus just says, trust me, I've got this. And we can look back now and go, so true. God has got all that. Has it been easy? No. Is anything easy? Not too much. And it doesn't, oh no, that's quite okay. But there's no way to walk into what God has for us next without taking the first step that he calls us into. We can't just skip steps and skip steps. It doesn't work like that. But as we take one step after the other, God continually meets us there and opens up to where he wants us. Verse 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I love the illustration that it paints. If you've ever seen a plough working in a field, Smithton, if you've ever seen a plough working in the field, you will know that it's, you know, the, the person that's driving the plough, they, they don't have their head backwards for too long. Occasionally they'll look down, make sure the rows are looking okay. But it's really this looking forward to what's ahead. And there's no way that you can plough the field that God has for you while you have your hands stuck on the post of the last paddock. And this is what Jesus is saying when, when you say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to take up the call that you have for my life. Don't look back and wish that you could go back to where you came from. Maybe it seemed simpler. Maybe it seemed a little more uncomplicated. But actually, let go of what's behind, trusting that God's got what's next for you. And I think sometimes it's really easy to run backwards. Sometimes it is so easy to see a wall in front of us and go, that's impassable. I'm going to go back. It mightn't be where God's got for me, but at least, at least I know it. At least it's familiar. But the uncomplicated faith journey that he has for us, it's where trust comes into it. And God meets our every need. God meets your every need. And not only does he meet your every need, it's the reason that you plough a field, the reason that you do it, is because you want to see a harvest. And so we can put our hand on the fence post of the last paddock and be stuck there and miss being a part of the harvest that God wants to bring to this world. 
It's so important that we don't look at the complications and the complexities, but we just step in faith, one simple step after one simple step, and trust that God brings the growth and God brings the harvest. Matthew, the tax collector, he just demonstrates these points so well. And I I don't want us to feel bad about this today. I want us to be challenged. But I actually want us to be encouraged to step more into what God has. I actually want us to leave here excited about the unknown that God has for us tomorrow. I want us to be excited about the spaces that God's calling you into for the next week. I want you to be excited about the peace that God brings and will bring. I want you to be so over the moon and full of joy that God would allow you to walk through the most complicated of situations feeling like it's not that complicated. I'm just trusting God with every step. And Matthew, the tax collector, you know, he really complicates the call. Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi, also known as Matthew, he really complicates it. He got up, left everything, followed him. That's how it looks. Just not holding on to those other things that we've spoken about, but letting go of those and saying, yeah, not only do I sing that Jesus, you're my everything, I live that you're my everything. Every decision I make comes out of a place of putting you first, whatever that looks like, whatever that costs. And I love the fact that we have this example of God making things uncomplicated in getting to know him. God could have made it so complicated to be in relationship with him. I dare say he's even got the right to. But this is how uncomplicated God makes it to be made right with him. Romans 10 and 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I love that God hasn't complicated what it looks like to be in relationship with him. I love that he's made it simple. Reading from the Living Bible, For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And what an uncomplicated promise that is. And for us every day, we just live in this place of thankfulness, but also if you don't know Jesus as your personal saviour, this is exactly how God opens a way for you. That out of God's love, he made the way really simple and really clear. Even if your situation feels so complicated, if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is your Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It really is that simple. And I want to finish this message with a song. And I do this for, well, it was an easy song to choose, to be honest. It's called Uncomplicated. It's a few years old and you may have heard it, but it's a great song. But as we reflect, if there's, if for you today, you're like, 
I've never said yes to Jesus, but today I want to invite him into my heart, into my world. I'm going to be down the front here with also one of the elders. So if you'd like to come down and make yourself known, we'd love to pray with you. And it's not about special words in a prayer, but just for you to declare with your mouth that I've decided that Jesus is my Lord, that Jesus is my master. And also for those that you're already walking with God. But perhaps your focus has been on some complications, some complexities, and it stopped you walking into the next thing that he has for you because you're stuck on those things. So as we reflect today, I want to encourage you to go to that hard place where you just determine within yourself that the things that have been holding you back, you won't allow that to have any bearing on your next steps. Let me pray and then we're going to have the song, just reflection time. Again, myself and an elder will be up the front. If you want to come and see us, please feel free. God, I thank you so much that you have revealed yourself in a way that you allow yourself to be known. God, I thank you for the next steps that lay in front of every person here, that they would follow you with every piece of their being. God, I pray that we wouldn't try and find complex uh, solutions that we don't actually need to find. God, I pray that we wouldn't look at situations and avoid them because they seem complicated, but we would just give them to you. And God, today for those that are, that are finding you for the first time, God, I just I thank you for that. I pray that they would have a strength and a courage as you break into their world, that they would know it's not about them, it's all about you. It's not about our own strength that we follow you, it's actually about being filled with your spirit. And so God, today in this moment, I pray that you would highlight to us the areas that we need to surrender, <laughs> maybe for lots of us, re-surrender, to you. God, I pray that our hearts wouldn't be hard, but they would be soft. I thank you that you give us enough understanding to comprehend who you are, to be aware of you. God, I pray for those that are hanging on to complicated situations, that they would be able to sit them with you. And God, I thank you that you transform lives, that you transform those that follow you. And God, I pray for each of us that we would just know what it is to walk by faith and not by sight. I pray that we would know what it is to be your voice to a hurting world. I pray that we would know what it is to be travelling in the direction that you have for us, not, not worried by who's on the left or right, but so confident of who you are that we don't try and take the taxi directions into our own hands, but we just trust you enough that we would say, wherever you call me, you've got this and I will follow you there. 
God, I thank you for every person here. Let us not switch off or harden our hearts, but let us just be so open before you. Amen. Thank you.